There had been abuse in my family, but it was mostly musical in nature. Lover's Lament crap. I want something peppy, something happy, something up-tempo. I want something snappy. Philadelphia's low-cut Connie brings back that 1950s rock and roll sound and the greaser attitude. And we're all ears. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. Low Cut Connie joins us in the studio for an interview and a performance. Later, we're going to review the solo debut from ZZ Top guitarist Billy Gibbons. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and Greg, we're excited to review the first solo album by Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top. He waited until age 65 to make Mm. his solo bow. Some people, I think, limit their knowledge of ZZ Top to those 80s MTV videos, the hot rods and the twirling guitars, right? But we had Billy on as one of our first guests on Sound Opinions way back in 2005, one of the most erudite and gentlemanly performers we've ever had, a vast wealth of musical knowledge and just an incredibly cool gentleman, one of my favorite guests ever. So uh, if you think you know ZZ Top, wait till you hear us talk about this new solo album. That's right, Jim. That's going to be later on in the show, but first we've got some music news. Hello, it's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to me to go over everything. They say the time's supposed to heal you, but I ain't done much healing. All right, pop quiz. What's the name of that song? If you cannot name it, you haven't been paying attention to anything for the last two weeks because that is Adele with her new single, Hello. It is everywhere. Hello has sold 1.1 million downloads in its first week, the third all-time seller in terms of one-week singles sales. The record holder is Elton John. Way back in 1997, he sold 3.4 million copies of Candle in the Wind, that tribute to Diana. And uh, the second week sold 1.2 million copies of that same single. Adele is now third on that all-time list, underlining the fact that Adele is basically a music industry unto herself. At a time when uh, people just aren't selling recorded music anymore, Adele is selling tons of it. Recall that 21, her previous album, sold 11.2 million copies. The only artist who has come within shooting distance of that mark in recent years has been Taylor Swift, with about half that total, 5.4 million of 1989. Otherwise, Adele dominating an industry that has really gone away from physical sales, and towards streaming. Well, and and I think the industry is really grateful, Greg. Adele has uh, given many comments uh, lately with this release saying, you know, apologizing to fans. Sorry for keeping you waiting so long. She's had her hands full with her family life, right? I mean, fans are eager to have her back, but not nearly as eager as the old school music industry, which is like wants to pretend once again that sales of physical product really matter. In her case, they do, but it's an exception. One thing I'm hearing here with this single, Jim, is it's very much a continuation of what made 21 so successful, a lovelorn ballad, a five-minute ballad 
commercial radio otherwise really isn't playing ballads. It certainly isn't playing five-minute songs. Adele is defying those expectations again. This new single was produced by Greg Kirsten, a name producer. He's worked with people like uh, Kelly Clarkson, Katy Perry in the past, but was not on her production team last time. But it'll be interesting to see where this album takes her. Is it going to be basically 21 times 2, or is it going to be a new direction for her music? We're going to find out in a few weeks when we review the new Adele record. Well, meanwhile, let's ask the listeners, what do you think of Hello, and how eager were you to have Adele back in the spotlight? Give us a call and give us your comment, 888-859-1800. That is the Romanian metal band Goodbye to Gravity, Greg, and there's a tragedy resulting from their last performance at a nightclub called Collective in Bucharest on October 30th. They set off some pyrotechnics on stage, resulting in a massive fire that claimed 32 lives, 179 people sent to the hospital, many of those people still in critical condition. What's astounding about this is that all of Romania has risen up. There was a massive protest in Bucharest on November 3rd of 30,000 people. Now, there are many problems with the prime minister of Romania, Victor Ponta, but it seems like the Romanian people believe that this sort of lax attitude toward permitting and enforcing the laws has now caused deaths in this nightclub. He resigned. His government fell. It was the biggest uh, popular uprising in Romania since the overthrow of the dictator Ceausescu decades ago. In America, of course, we remember in 2003, 100 people died in Rhode Island at a great white show at a nightclub called Station. The band was using pyrotechnics on stage. The most recent tragedy of even bigger magnitude was in Brazil in 2013. 242 people died when pyrotechnics were used indoors. Why any band would still use fireworks and an indoor concert yeah. is just is just ridiculous, and there should be a, a ban worldwide on that practice. I got no time for the listening to Sound Opinions, and that's the song Back in School by our guest this week, Low Cut Connie. This Philadelphia band was formed in 2010 by lead singer and piano player Adam Weiner and drummer and guitarist Dan Finnamore. And yeah, you heard me, piano. You don't hear that as much in uh, this era of EDM and samplers and keyboards and synths, Greg. But Low Cut Connie is so influenced by that piano-fueled rock of its first era, the 50s, that they're willing to lug around their own upright piano, which they've lovingly named Chandra, in the van as they tour America. The band's rounded out by musicians James Everhart, Will Donnelly, and Larry Scotton. And Low Cut Connie's produced three albums so far, Get Out the Lotion, Call Me Sylvia, and Hi Honey, the new one. Yeah, Jim, that second title might be familiar to some listeners. One of its tracks, Boozophilia, actually made President Obama's own Spotify playlist alongside big names like uh, Aretha Franklin and Stevie Wonder. So we figured the commander-in-chief's a big fan. This is going to be great. We're going to get these guys into the studio. We sent Obama in an invitation. Uh, he never replied, but we had a great time with them anyway. 
These guys have performed their songs in all sorts of contexts. Singer-pianist Adam Weiner, you know, he talks about his early days performing in gay bars, his experience with the TV show The Voice of All Things, and how the band came together. And there was a rumor that Adam and Dan first met and formed Low Cut Connie when they got stuck in a freight elevator together for a few hours. So I decided to ask him if there's any truth to that. Well, it happened. The thing that's not true is that's not the first time we met. We had met before that, right. although I don't remember meeting him at all. <laughs> he had long hair. He wasn't on the top of his grooming game in the beginning. A week in New York with no sleep will do that to And you. then when I went to England to tour with my previous solo act, Ladyfingers, we did a show together, Yeah, and that was really the first time I remember meeting him. And after the show, he said, you know what, we'll go up to the studio, we'll take the amps back, and then we'll go out to a club, and who knows what's going to happen in the club. And then the elevator went up about two feet and got stuck, and that was like <laughs> five hours later. Yeah, you know. the father got out to come and cut us out. Did you guys have the vision? Because you stand out in a very distinctive way from so much what's going on in rock today, not just because of the piano, but with a real love of 50s rock the good stuff. Sex, raunch, 50s realness. So was, was there an aesthetic from the beginning? I mean, me and Adam shared a similar interest in music, and a, and, and a lot of that was old school rock and roll, R&B. For me, garage rock and roll as well, even like more modern stuff. But mm. that sound, that rough and ready sound of like that old rock and roll was definitely something that we shared. It's like we both are into different things, but the band is the circle where we intersect yeah and red-blooded rock and roll and emphasis on the role yeah rock and roll you can dance to that's very sexual that's very party that's very in your face a lot of black rock and roll those are a lot of reference points for us You guys were coming from different places, though, before this band. I, I get the sense that neither of the projects you guys were involved in before sounded quite like Low Cut Connie. Dan, would you say that's true? Or I think that if you really listen to the songs and if you've heard the bands that we did before, there's definitely flavours there, but when you put it together, you do get something completely different. I came from a background of, like, garage rock and roll, punk, and Adam definitely appreciated and, and still appreciates that stuff but it was his background is slightly different to that so when you put it together we get something which is very unique well and, and the part adam where you were playing piano in gay bars yeah <laughs> what what role does that play so is that real i mean because it sounds like too good a story to be true i lived in new york city 9-11 happened and all of my artistic-minded friends, we all kind of freaked out. What We couldn't get jobs. Like, what are we going to do? And I applied to, like, 50 piano jobs, restaurants, hotels, everything. And I, I got hired. At, the only place that would audition me was this place called Pegasus. Pegasus has since been closed by the Board of Health. Yeah. <laughs> so that place was what they called a Gaijin pickup bar. Mm. And I was the Saturday night entertainment. How old was you then? 
22, 21. <laughs> so you were neither gay nor Asian, I but you a, felt at home because it was fun. I was a closeted straight man in the gay bar, and it, I did it for about six years. Wow. And I worked at about four different clubs, and I made a lot more money than I do with Low Cut Connie. <laughs> right, right. I think the thing that I really got out of that was the ability to entertain because mm. that environment is one in which you will be told if you're terrible. Mm. And you will be told if you're not entertaining or you don't look good. You can't phone it in. You cannot. Mm-hmm. I think that songs from Low Cut Connie, like No More Wet T-Shirt Contests and Little Queen of New Orleans and, and Shake It Little Tina, even that got their... There's, there's people from that world that mm-hmm. I met that started there. All right. I think we got to give people a sense of what you sound like before we chat much more. Adam, what are you going to play? Okay. We're going to play a little song called Shake It Little Tina. Dan, you gotta be my Ike. Don't ask me to do that. Shaggy little Tina, shaggy little Tina, shaggy little Tina now. Shaggy little Tina, shaggy little Tina, shaggy little Tina now. Come on, boys, help me with it. Shaggy little Tina, shaggy little 
Low cut Connie. <laughs> Shake it, little Tina, boy. As I was saying, we thought the piano was a little pristine, a little too pristine, and Adam, I think you gave it the low-cut Connie baptism there. It's all warmed up now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew she had it in her. So uh, there's got to be a story about Tina of Shake It Little Tina fame. Is there a Tina, or is there just a spirit? Do we all occasionally take off our pants and dance Well, I hope so, Jim. It's based on kind of an amalgamation of a few people, and maybe I'm one of those people. I'm not all those people. I'm one of. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just think that the Tina in this song has a weekend life that's probably different than the rest of the week. There's a lot of songs and maybe even some songs that we've done that would take a darker strain to that idea. Yeah. Leading a double life. But in this one, it's embracing that duality. We'll continue our conversation with the men of Low Cut Connie in a minute here on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. And later, we'll talk about Billy Gibbons' first solo effort outside ZZ Top. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and you're hearing Low Cut Connie's song, Taste So Good. We've been talking with members of this Philly band that is fronted by Adam Weiner on vocals and piano and Dan Finnamore on guitar and drums. Both Jim and I really love how this band gets an audience up and dancing. I mean, even President Obama is a fan, as we mentioned earlier. But that sound comes at a price. So I asked Adam what it was like to tour the country with this upright piano that they call Chandra. It's not easy touring with a piano. These guys can tell you Uh, it is such a pain, but that's our thing, and it's worth it. You won't play a keyboard, electronic keyboard. No, I've never owned one, and I'm not good at them. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much love drives a man insane. You broke my will, but what a thrill. Jerry Lee Lewis, obviously a huge... I'm sure it was an influence on some of what you're doing here. How bit. can he not be, you know, with what he's done? Yeah. But I, I went to see Jerry Lee. The last time I went to see him, they brought out an electric keyboard. Well, And I'm going, it's not even, this isn't even the same what? thing. You know what, even Ray Charles, yeah. in the end, was playing a keyboard. It just becomes 
physically, economically, it's so hard. And the and the clubs and the venues and the promoters and the bookers, they make it so hard. Yeah. You right know, the, the other night we played in Pittsburgh and they messed up. We were supposed to be on the first floor. We were on a second floor. We had to carry Chandra up 30 steps. <laughs> wow. Up and down. We almost lost Larry. We almost <laughs> lost Larry. <laughs> when we uh, crushed him. When we, when we saw him at third, man, he played like a... He played one? a really nice piano. We saw yeah. Jerry Lee at Third Man Records with Steve Cropper and everything. Jack White's place in yeah. Nashville, yeah. yeah. And that was an incredible experience. Ted Danson told me to move out of his way. Yeah, wife. Ted Danson was like, <laughs> Dan, get out of the way. Wow. <laughs> Chris Christopherson was standing there. But, but like, and Bobby uh, Keys, God bless him. Jerry, he, he, he can't like move around like he used to. He's, he's 80. Yeah. But he still took the front of the piano off and was like hitting it with it. <laughs> like he's still got that little twinkle. Oh, yeah. yeah. The hellfire. Let's talk a little bit about the new album, Hi Honey, the third album. It feels like with this record, there was one in 2011, one in 2012, three-year wait. The period between album two and three seemed like a big, you Nightmare. know, personal come-to-Jesus meeting with the, yes. with the band. Like, are, are we doing this or are we not? What was that period like that resulted in, in this record? I'm going to hand that right over to Dan <laughs> yeah. Finnamore. <laughs> Dan, go there, there, take it off. There isn't enough time uh, today to go through the sorrow and the misery of those three years. No, I'm only joking. It was, it was hard to catch a break, if I'm honest, from the industry in many ways. And we struggled to get the support that we needed to do the album right. We had changing band members as a result, as, as a result of the, the struggles of being in a band generally is. Ultimately, we got there in the end and... When we got to the studio and we, were, we went in with Tommy Brennock at Dunham Studios in Brooklyn, we felt really lucky to be working with that guy. And in the end, we, we were really proud of what we achieved and we were glad that we pushed through, <laughs> pushed mm. through the mire, the muck and the mire to get to a place where we could actually finish, get the album done and get it out. Brennock is doing bands like Alabama Shakes, yeah. Black Keys, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. He seems to understand what Robin Hitchcock once called real ale bands. Mm -hmm. People playing real instruments, sweating real, mm -hmm. dropping a note here and there, getting them in the moment. This whole record has a fresh energy. It sounds like a first album. It doesn't sound like album number three. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, yeah, that's nice. you get to the third one. Everybody says the third one is make or break. Mm. Everyone is make or break, really. Yeah. yeah. But after the first one, which was just a lark, it was just fun times, and we didn't have a name for the band or... Anything like that. But sometimes that can be, that, that's, that's the best thing when you haven't got the pressure and you can truly yeah. be yourself, you yeah. know, without any inhibitions and you can just try a load of stuff and because you're, you're, you're happy doing it. It's when you start overthinking things, in my opinion, that it starts to become not genuine and almost formulaic. And I think that we managed to not go there on, on, on all the albums, really. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope so, anyway. I think the a high watermark for the band with High Honey and... Before we talk some more about it, how about another song? Cool. This is probably one of our better known, if not the best known. It's called Boozophilia. Yeah. They got no time. 
Ophelia by Low Cut Connie, live on Sound Opinions, Adam Weiner, Dan Finnemore, James Everhart, Will Donnelly, and Larry Scotton in the studio. Okay, so it's not just rock critics who like you guys. I mean, that was the 31st best song of 2012 when <laughs> Call Me Sylvia came out, according to Rolling Stone. Barack Obama puts out a playlist yeah. and says that song is one of his favorites. You know what, man? I don't know what to tell you. I woke up, I thought it was a joke. I really thought it was a joke because how could it be possible <laughs> to be on the list, President Obama's list with Sly Stone yeah. and Stevie Wonder and Aretha Franklin? And right? you know he's got that because you've seen him get jiggy once in a while when he's done oh, yeah. a little Marvin Gaye or yeah. something. On you know, Yeah, but what I can tell you is without going too far in revealing too much, <laughs> I can tell you that someone gave me the information that he did in fact, choose and write the list himself. In fact, there's a photograph of his hand having just written the list, and you see O Cut Connie under his hand. Wow. Mm-hmm. To get a little pat on the back from President Obama, I felt like he was saying to us, and I mean this, I felt like he was saying, keep going. Just mm. keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You're doing something good. <laughs> and for a band like us, a little band, a little mom and pop shop, that that's everything. That yeah. that'll put wind in our sails for a while, you yeah, know. I bet. Well, you got a lot of friends in various places. You've got the president of the United States, you've got a former cast member of the Sopranos on this record. <laughs> we should mention that. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about I tried, to, I tried to play that, that song on the show when we reviewed your album, and then yeah. I neglected to mention the middle part there from Big P from the Sopranos. Yeah. Well, listen, all I can tell you, and Jim, you know this better than anybody, Jersey roots run very deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know a guy. I know a guy a who knows a guy. Yeah. And we were just so proud that he gave us that voicemail. He said, listen, I don't have time. He was doing a Broadway show mm-hmm. at the time. And he said, I'll give you a voicemail. And so, and so what's amazing is how the words just came so naturally to him. Yeah. Hey, listen, I don't give a fuck right this where you get it, Danny, okay? I don't give a fuck you sell your ass. You don't give the five G's by Monday, I'm going to break the knees, all right? Well, 
to get back to what you were saying, Dan, Danny's out of money seems to speak to <laughs> yeah, yeah. how you turned a really bad situation yeah. into something almost celebratory. Yeah, well. Almost in spite of itself. Like if you just seen me at the time, you wouldn't be saying that. But. Yeah. <laughs> that period was great, and it was also really tough for a variety of reasons. Me and Adam trying to figure out how we were going to keep the band going and me being like a million miles away from home and all, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, the best songs do come out of tragedy and sorrow. <laughs> <laughs> So, Adam, i got to ask you about The Voice, okay? That NBC singing competition. I know you were approached to be a contestant on that show, which, by the way, has about 11 to 12 million viewers an episode. Yeah, I was more than approached. And first of all, I should say that I watched The Voice last night. It's a very compelling show, and I, it's definitely entertaining. I watch it usually when I'm at the gym. <laughs> okay? It's appropriate... It makes me run faster. That being said, they did reach out to our our agent, and they said that they wanted to have me on The Voice. They wanted to have me audition for The Voice. That's to audition to audition, if you know Mm -hmm. what I mean. Right. And I didn't really respond, and then about a week went by, and then they called, and they said, somebody dropped out of the season. We've precast Adam. We, would, we want to get him out to L.A. So I said, have him call me. And I was in Detroit. And they said, if you can get to L.A. in two weeks, you're on season nine. And then there was a flurry of emails back and forth. And they basically, I would have had to clear like a lot of time. But really, more than the time and that, I was just so confused. Like, why, why would they want me? And I did some research, and anybody that knows me knows that I'll consider anything, and I'll try and see if there's a lane I can use to do my own thing. And so then I started to do a little bit of research, and I deferred my answer, and all the research that I did was just heinous. <laughs> it brought up just heinous things that, that could have happened to me. I realized I could not do my thing within their formula at all. Mm. I was going to look like a schmuck, just an absolute schmuck. Mm. The voice is not about the contestants, it's about the judges. Mm -hmm. And they wanted me to add value to their show. Mm. That sounds strange because I'm not really famous, but maybe musically or something. And I'm not the first. Jason Isbell also was approached and Mm. he turned them down. And I got my own rodeo. Like, I'm not trying to add value to somebody else's shtick. So yeah. that was an easy decision in the end. Mm-hmm. One more song? Yeah. We're going to do a song that we've been doing live for a, for a little while now, and it's by one of my favorite bands from Detroit, Michigan. They're called The Gories, and this song is called I Think I've Had It. I 
Low Cut Connie covering the Gories on Sound Opinions. Thank you so much, fellas. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. What an honor. That wraps up our conversation with Low Cut Connie. To watch videos of their entire performance, visit us at soundopinions.org. Have a comment on Low Cut Connie or anything in the musical universe? Give us a call for the air at 888-859-1800. Coming up, we'll review the debut solo release from ZZ Top guitarist Billy Gibbons. Plus, I'll share my latest Desert Island jukebox pick. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and you're listening to a little bit of the first Billy Gibbons solo record, Perfecta Mundo. That's a track called You're What's Happening, Baby. Billy Gibbons, best known as uh, one of the bearded guys in ZZ Top, right? The main guy. <laughs> yeah, he is the main guy. Guitar player, singer. You may not know it from those cartoonish videos that MTV played to death in the 80s. But this man is a gentleman and a scholar, a true connoisseur of many, many things, fine wine, surrealist art, and the blues. Let's go back to Houston in the 60s when he was in a band called The Moving Sidewalks, one of the original Nuggets-era garage rock bands, had a number of local, regional type of hits, toured with Jimi Hendrix. Uh, Hendrix uh, championed Gibbons as one of the great new guitarists that he had a pleasure to witness. And uh, then Gibbons went on with uh, Dusty Hill and Frank Beard to form his second major band, ZZ Top. And of course, they've gone on to sell tens of millions of records. One thing that this long overdue solo record from Billy Gibbons investigates is another part of his musical past. Billy's dad was a band leader in the Houston area, and uh, in that time he got to know a number of musicians, including the great Tito Puente, the great Latin percussionist. And Billy, as a youth, got to study Latin percussion with Puente. So not a bad little apprenticeship. And that is what this album is going back to, recalling some of those Latin roots and and working with a Latin rhythm section on this particular record. It's called Perfecta Mundo. Here's a track from it. It's a cover 
of Louisiana blues man's Slim Harpo's Got Love If You Want It from Billy Gibbons on Sound Opinions. Love If You Want It by Billy Gibbons from solo album number one, Perfect Amundo. Greg, you said it. Uh, you know, gentleman, scholar, deep, deep knowledge and love of music. I love this connection being made between the blues, which Gibbons has devoted his life to forwarding and Latin percussion. This album could only be made in Texas, okay? <laughs> well, I suppose Los Lobos could have done it in California, too. But at this time and place, where we are questioning our neighbors to the south, and, and many people are expressing hatred, I, I think an album like this that points out the similarities between that most American of musics, the blues, and the Tex-Mex sound, Latin percussion, and the Latin attitude. And Gibbons is singing in Spanish at times, he's singing in English, he's singing in Spanglish. Actually, I kind of prefer the Spanish because he doesn't have much to say lyrically. We bumped in with that track, You're What's Happening, Baby, and, you know, he's crowing about somebody who's got the shorty shorts on. You know, uh, this is not a deep album lyrically, but it is as deep as the Rio Grande, as wide as the Rio Grande in terms of culture. You know, we are not two separate nations and culture. Increasingly, we are one. And I just love how much fun Gibbons is having playing guitar, playing Latin percussion, wailing on the timbales, you know, uh, the Tito Puente taught him to play. This album is just a, a complete and utter joy. And as I argued a while back when we reviewed Bob Seger, right, you think you know this guy because he's classic rock and he's beloved of, of you know, that radio format. And maybe you've heard, you know, him on MTV or Seeger was all over commercials, right? No, that's not the real artist. This is where he shines on this album. It's an enthusiastic buy it. Well, Jim, I hate to say it, but I disagree with you. I don't oh. think it's nearly that good. Uh, I wish it was. I, I love uh, a lot of Gibbons' music. I do not love this record. 
I think there are moments on this record that are quite good. I love the combo of that Hammond B3 organ giving it that soul vibe over those Afro-Cuban polyrhythms that he's playing with. On those particular tracks, it works really well. But there's not enough of those on this particular record. Uh, there's a few tracks where he's using this Houston rapper, you know, sort of an attempt to update the sound, you know, totally, yeah. you know, non-essential. What is this doing here? We don't need this. Because and, Billy's the grandfather of, of Texas music. Right. And he's trying to be inclusive. There's I not know, enough people I know. being inclusive today, Greg. I know. And and he's also, uh, unfortunately, didn't write better songs, Jim. That's my problem here, is that a lot of these songs just, uh, you know, are reduced to, like, chanting. And as you said, pretty inane lyrics for the most part. I don't expect Billy to be a lyrical genius, but I do expect musical genius from him. And the songs aren't really developed beyond, you know, a little chant and a little riff. And, okay, that's done. I don't feel like he really invested in himself in the songwriting here. And as a result, it really falls short in that department. So with the exception of two or three songs, this is a trash it record for me. See, I think you ate a hot pepper or something for <laughs> breakfast, and you just got indigestion. I'm, I'm just amazed. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Just across the way, island lost the sea. Now I'm stranded on my own. Stranded far from home. Look, come on. Do you remember? We were shipwrecked together. Stranded out of far from home. As often as possible, we like to take a trip to the Desert Islands on Sound Opinions to play a track we cannot live without. Jim DeRigatis is paragliding into that deserted island as we speak. Jim, what are you going to play for us? Greg, I'm going to dig really, really deep this week in order to pay tribute to a musician from the Hoboken, New Jersey scene where I grew up, where I cut my musical teeth, who died last week of a heart attack way too young. But I'm going to try to broaden it out. You know, I I was thinking about this. I got philosophical. A friend dies, and you think about this. You know, in the 40 years or more that I've been a dedicated club goer and fan of underground music, the bands that you saw rise from nowhere to dominate the world, the REMs, okay? Those, those, you have a wonderful feeling about that, but, but much more melancholy are the bands that you thought were going to be the next REM that never really went anywhere, mm-hmm. and there's no logical explanation. Michael Carlucci was a guitarist in the Hoboken scene of the 80s. He had his own band called Winter Hours that uh, released several albums and EPs, and in that classic let's all get in the van 80s way, they toured the country innumerable times. I saw them open for dozens of groups, uh, including R.E.M. and the Go-Betweens and Dream Syndicate. Never really went anywhere. But Michael was in a second band called Red Buckets. Does that name ring a bell? No, it doesn't. Red Buckets uh, was beloved in Hoboken. Michael Carlucci was the guitarist. Another gentleman, Richard Mason, was the singer-songwriter. And Carlucci really pushed this group forward. It should have rung a bell because Yola Tango has recorded not one but two tributes (laughs) to this band. They originally wrote a song called The Ballad of Red Buckets that came out years ago. And on their last album, which we just reviewed recently, stuff like that there, they do an acoustic version. Who was Red Buckets? This wonderful singer-songwriter, a little eccentric, a little curmudgeonly, had a way of shooting himself in the foot. But Carlucci believed in him and added a wonderful musical sophistication to this group. Uh, Stanley Domeski of the Feelies played drums. And for years, they would open for all the cool bands 
up and down the East Coast. Everybody said Red Buckets is going to make it. They never made it. So rather than play a Winter Hours story in tribute to Carlucci, I thought I'd really play this Red Bucket song because he put that band on the map and his soul was invested in that band. It's just, they should have been huge. You'll hear it when I play this song. Carlucci just recently was was playing music still, again, always, with uh, two feelies, Glenn Mercer and Stan Demeski, Rob Norris of the Bongos. I never got to see that recent band, East of Venus. But this, uh, this loss hit everybody from from that New Jersey music scene really hard. I'm going to play this song, as I said, in tribute to him. It's called Jane September by Red Buckets with Michael Carlucci on guitar on Sound Opinions. Red Buckets, Jane September, Michael Carlucci on guitar. The uh, leader of that band, Richard Mason, died some years ago, Greg. Great music lost along the way and would have been relegated to a footnote, except for the Desert Island Jukebox. (laughs) If you want to check out all of our Desert Island Jukebox picks over the years, you can always go to soundopinions.org. What do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we're going to talk to a recording genius, Glenn Johns, who worked with British rock royalty like the Stones, the Beatles, the Faces, and Led Zeppelin. As always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by Robin Lynn, Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, and our intern, Libby Gormley.
sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hey, Jim and Greg, it's Drew from Chicago. Love the Grand Slam episode and wanted to nominate the Tetralogy by Guided by Voices between 1992 and 1995. That is Propeller, Vampire on Titus, B-1000, and Alien Lanes as another Grand Slam. I think the last two, B-1000 and Alien Lanes, there's a critical mass of opinion that those are great albums with a capital G. Perhaps the least celebrated of those four, Vampire on Titus, uh, I think stands up to any album in the history of mankind. When it comes to songwriting, I think it's probably less celebrated because it's aggressively lo-fi in its aesthetic. The white lines are tracers for the facers of the aftermath Positioned in the situation Lost in battles of love Not returning, still learning Unborn, unhatched The melodies and lyrics on Vampire are uh, sublime. Thanks a lot. Hey, Jim and Greg. This is Prashant from Houston, long-time listener and love your show. I was listening to the Grand Slams episode, and I could not believe that with all of the rock history knowledge you have, you didn't pick Pink Floyd. From 1973 to 1979, Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, Animals, and The Wall. That is a better Grand Slam than anything you had on your show, with the possible exception of Led Zeppelin. Thanks again, and love your show. Thank you. Hi, this is Michelle Curley from Chicago, and my Grand Slam, I will tell you in seven words. Patti Smith, Horses, Radio Ethiopia, Easter, Thanks a lot, and take care. Bye. This is Zach from Austin, Texas. Just completed your Grand Slam episode, and while it was good, I feel there's a big one that you missed. See, some of the acts that you covered are excellent craftsmen, composed great albums, but then, like the Velvets, which you ended with, there's truly revolutionary artists who compose Grand Slams, and the one that I am thinking of is Public Enemy. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what this world is coming to. Yes, the rhythm, the rebel, without a pause, I'm lowering my level. The old bum rush the show, Nation of Millions, Fear of a Black Planet, and Apocalypse 91. You listen to those in order, 
I guarantee you your life is changed. Please, at this moment, play a powerful Public Enemy song, and I will forgive you. Thank you. No more messages. To give us your opinions on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.